0: Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome to Scott's Movie Pod, until I think of a better name, which I'm probably not gonna do. Uh, We're here to talk about the movies we love for better or worse and all the reasons why we love them. And today, we're going to be talking about a movie that uh, is definitely ripe and perfect for this podcast, I think, based on what I know of it and my, my small amount of times watching it. But first, with me today... We have return guest, Mr. Patrick Pena. We know Patrick. We talked about uh, Jackie Brown in our first episode with Patrick, some episodes back. And Patrick is a writer, director, occasional actor. Patrick, what are we watching today? What are we talking about today?
1: Today we'll be talking about the seminal classic, the 1993 Alex Winter, Tom Stern comedy, Freaked. Which was supposed to be titled "Hideous Mutant Freaks," which is a much better title,
0: to be honest. <laughs>
1: also, the um, there was a s- soundtrack song called that for the movie. We'll get into that later as we talk about the soundtrack. But um, studio changed it to "Freaked," which is the you know one of many studio interruptions that uh, ass fucked
0: this movie. Can I say oh, ass fucked on this? Oh, absolutely, show? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. There's no we. There's no filter on this. You know that. Mm. Goodness, uh, I, mean, we're I mean, obviously, we're talking about the things we like more specifically than don't like. But uh, you know, oh, everything that's... I love about this. <laughs> we
1: want to talk about the system? I mean, I'll try oh to yeah, this no, the, the system is this... part of the whole
0: story. This is one of the tragic stories of. Uh, oh, we're like keeping people. that in. We're definitely keeping that in because we. I do. I. I want to know about it, and uh, I have some. I have some assumptions, some guesses, where I where I think they they sort of stick in their grimy hands in. Uh, Okay, so we are talking about Freaks, as you said, directed by Tom Stern and Alex Winter, written by Tim Burns, Tom Stern, and I believe also Alex Winter, uh, starring Brooke Shields, uh, William Sadler, Edward Overcard, Deeth Roy. This is an overview first build only, by the way, via IMDB. So we got Brooke Shields. Uh, We've got... Jamie Cardish as Toad. Derek McGrath as Worm. Jeff Kahn as Nosy. John Hawks. That's right. John Hawks as Cowboy. Uh, Mr. T as the Bearded Lady, which I forgot he was even in this movie, and he's just so delightful. Sockhead, uh, voiced by Bobcat Goldthwait, but played by Karen Malkus. The Eternal Flame, Lee, Lee Ehrenberg. Rosie the Pinhead by... Played by Patty Tippo. And Tim Burns played The Frog Man, which I will talk about later because I thought that was hilarious. And then we got Alex Winter, of course, our lead playing Ricky Cougill. I think that's the main, the main names, except for, of course, Randy Quaid, who plays our villain. Uh, well, one of two villains, really, but Elijah C. Skugs. Elijah C. Skugs.
1: Owner-proprietor of Freakland.
0: I, I, I literally wrote down on here that uh, this, this is the exact kind of role that Randy Quaid was born for, just in general. Buy more fiddle-faddle. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yes. Keanu Reeves, uncredited as Ortiz the dog boy. Did you um, know that or recognize that when you watched the movie? Did not, even a little bit. It was, uh, it was not until literally reading the cast list ahead of this, and then again now, where I was like, oh, fucking, that's right. And I forgot to look for it, because somebody told me Keanu Reeves was in the movie, and I just didn't, yep. didn't look for him. Yeah, it's um, his,
1: uh, his finest uh,
0: performance. What a movie. What a movie. All right, let's, let's, let's kick off here. We're through our cast, so right out of the gate. First uh, first impressions, our first initial thoughts about this movie. First time we saw it versus our most recent rewatch. What are your first initial thoughts about this movie? Well, so
1: I'm going to tie my thoughts into a little bit of the history of the film there so we can pepper this in as we go along. And so the movie was supposed to be released in 1993. Um, and it did not get released in theaters. I believe it had like one showing at one theater. Studio dumped it um there was only one print made there was one print and one poster and then tom stern and alex winter had to physically take it to theaters themselves and it got dumped onto hbo in like late 94 or 95 which is where i saw it and i would have been about seven or eight years old and i just remember watching this movie a bunch on hbo and then it was off of tv and uh like i'm like 10 or 11 years old and i have this memory of this fucking movie like the craziest movie I ever saw, like my favorite movie. I don't know what the fuck it is, but I remember it. And then I see it a Blockbuster one day. And uh, and then I rent it all the time and I watch it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. But the very first time would have been on HBO and then, you know, it disappears and you think it's like a
0: dream until you, until you find it again. Yeah, yeah. My first time seeing this movie, it was a long time ago. And I just remember, yeah, I think I told you it was like, it was just remember being fucking weird and wacky and like all of the, the weird mutants. And that was the one thing that stuck with me the most that I remember the most from my first watch is just the weird mutants and everything. Yeah. Like that. Right. I think I saw that with my dad, probably at home. And uh, so it had, it had to be on like VHS or something. Yeah.
1: Um, or again, it could have been on it could have been on cable if you guys had yeah cable. it could it could have been on cable but because it played on stars and hbo around the time
0: yeah it, maybe it was on cable i just remember for whatever reason it's it's tied closely to it i think i also saw either right around the same time or pretty close to the same time uh the toxic avenger for the first time
1: what me too that's kind of funny because um i do remember as a kid and toxic avenger well did you guys have Spenguli down there
0: no no we know so okay I wouldn't have been so.
1: he's like a tv um plays horror show host basically oh no he's, like I, a I don't think he was, he's a Chicago guy but yeah Toxic Avenger I remember seeing Toxic Avenger as a kid too which is pretty fucked up because when I got into Toxic Avenger later when I got older I'm like how did I watch this when I was like seven like yeah exactly so it's possible that, yes, maybe those two were running around the same time on HBO or something, and and as kids, we would have saw them, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I watched a lot of Pay Cable as a kid, um, which is why I like the movies that I do, I think.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. But if you had, I don't good. know,
1: if you had HBO as a kid, I don't know. But if you did, then I would say there's a strong
0: possibility. I feel like we had it in that sense where it was like, oh, occasionally, you would get that like free preview week kind of thing. And sure, then, sure. Uh, then they don't they actually don't shut it off for like a month because they forget yeah. or whatever yeah 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 so i think uh, that happened a lot with like all the different channels though and that was when i watched the most movies that was when i watched the most well, of course you try to watch I as many as you can because yeah you got that
1: shit right yeah yeah get them all in
0: you know mm-hmm. uh but yeah definitely i saw this this one right around the same time as toxic avenger and that's why like it's stuck in my brain so much because it's like oh yeah, we the mutant movies Surely is yeah. how I looked at them. Yeah, those aren't really and, counting anything uh, about it. they're really not. They kind of they really do kind of exist in their own little mini genre. There's just not that many that you can really lump into that category. I don't know. like and I haven't dug deep into looking on that, but no, I really just, feel I that things way.
1: like body horror and stuff like that. Like, yeah, they're kinda of, it that's its own thing. And then you have so many little sub you know, melt movies and stuff. And this kind of goes in that category too, right? It's definitely body horror, even though it's a Airplane esque comedy, it's definitely a body horror movie for yeah. preteen punk rock. What they're, I mean, it's a fuck. I mean, it's this, it's fucking awesome, man. Like, it is the most bizarre <laughs> thing. Um, it's super weird. I love it. It's like taylo- tailor made for me. I mean, some of the comedy doesn't hit me more because it was so topical, but like, yeah. imagine some of these pop culture jokes in 93. I mean, they're fucking sharp. And when you have like Mr. T and Brooke Shields and, um, but, um, Morgan Fairchild and like all these people doing in like Bob Vila jokes and shit, like all that stuff at that time. Oh my God. Yeah. That shit would have hit like hard as fuck. I mean, it's a, um, it's, I don't want to say like it's this great film, but it's, I mean, it's good. It's funny. Right. It's funny. And the, uh, I guess we'll call them creature effects, the the visual or the practical effects are fantastic. They really are screaming yeah. man, George, who get a couple of the nightmare on Elm streets. He's a famous, um, Japanese um, makeup artist. Uh, I mean then there's two other makeup I kind of can't get the guy's name but there's a Oscar winning makeup artist who's who's done other awesome shit I mean it's amazing I mean some of the creature effects are so badass like you said um, Randy Quaid is oh, phenomenal in yeah. this movie it's hilarious and bazo-
0: like he looks he's awesome so, he's so perfect like the yeah. casting of this could not have been better I feel like like in general everybody was pretty well cast but yeah. Uh, Randy Quaid was just the perfect choice. I can't I, I honestly cannot think of who, especially at the time this movie was made, would have done that
1: role. any better. You know, I forgot I just read recently who they had offered it to. Oh, no. Yes. They, so they offered it to uh, George C. Scott. Interesting. interesting. Who would have done it, except he in his contract said, uh, you can't say that I'm, I can't drink so he was uninsurable and then I want to say it was Oliver Reed also had in his contract but you can't tell me that I can't get drunk so then <laughs> all right we're not going to do those guys yeah. uh, we're not going to work with the guys who apparently can't be on set without a drink right which you know to be fair I mean I understand and me, and we've talked about this in, in some of the my views on directing, which you know we uh, have some minor disagreements on, uh, same thing. Actors process, right? I mean, if george c Scott's going to come on and give me what george c Scott gives me, but he needs to be drunk. Um, I mean, I know there's a fine line, right? Being able to, you know, it, it, yeah. things <laughs> like that. I get it. There's a, it's tough, but um, I don't know, man. It might. It's potentially worth it, right? Uh, yeah, like if I'm if I'm willing to give the actors hell, maybe the actors got to give me hell sometimes.
0: I can see, I can see that. Being it's there. tough. It's a
1: fine line, but it's, a fine, George C. Line. Scott, it's though, a fine line. George C. Scott. Come on, man. You're telling me, I mean, fuck George C. Scott. Like that's, that's all I'm going to say about that one.
0: George C. Uh, Scott's great. and, and him, a, be, him in this role could have been interesting for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, but no, Randy Quaid I mean, Randy Quaid Randy, is, yeah. a, a, as nuts as he is, is a, is a, is a pretty good actor. He's very funny. He's a really funny guy and uh, he brings a lot to this. I mean, he, he gave it a hundred percent. He's not phoning this in. I mean, everybody takes this movie seriously. It's uh yeah. The $12 million 20th century Fox studio film um, made by this. Yeah. Well, so there was a studio executive at the time who had produced like naked lunch and a couple other more of the uh, out there films. He just like, and he made, a, so you know, the, the movies that were successful as well, but he made some weird shit. Now it's winter says, yeah, they fired him about three weeks into production because he made too many weird movies. And as soon as they replaced him, they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's going on here? So they had a, they had a deal with The Gap. They were going to do like a bunch of spoof ads for The Gap. They had action figures are going to come out at Suncoast. And they were like, "Uh, nope, we're canceling all that shit. We're canceling the wide release. We're canceling everything. This movie's not fucking coming out. Just fucking period. let we're, nope. Because so they fired that guy and they wanted to make an example out of this movie. This is, yep. So then it didn't get a release at all. The movie didn't come out. Um, it played the midnight shows at Toronto International Film Festival and did uh, really well. Everybody loved it. It started getting actually pretty positive reviews, despite the fact that it didn't actually get released. And then there were only one print made, right? So people wanted to show it all around. And Alex Winter was like, we, we don't have it. Fox says there's no print of it. So 2012 film at the New Beverly is friends with uh, Alex Winter. And Alex Winter says he's talking to Phil and Phil knows a guy who works somewhere in the Midwest that works at some place that destroys old films, which is like, you know, I mean, this place shouldn't even exist. Right. right. And guys talking to Phil uh, or Alex is talking to Phil and Alex says, man, like, yeah, there's no prints of, of freaked, unfortunately, because they wanted to play it at the bev. And uh, so Phil's talking to this guy the next day. And this guy says, dude, we got, they got the fucking freaked Film here, and then we're supposed to destroy it. So he fucking takes it, and and there you go. And now we have it again. And it played at the new Bev, and um, now it still exists. But the one single Prince of Freaks that ever existed was eventually sent to be destroyed. So the movie, even though it was on DVD and stuff at this time, so like it still existed yeah, on yeah. DVD and all that, right? Like it wasn't lost forever, but um, it never would have been able to be shown in, in 35 ever again. Never could have been restruck in 4K or anything like that. That's insane. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. And it's not like this is some obscure fucking movie that like nobody was in or anything. This is a real, yeah. it's a real, fucking, it was a, it was, it was a studio movie, but they worked for MTV at the time on the idiot box, some little six episode show that they did. That was this bizarre fucking, and these guys are indie punk rock artists, right? They're into the fucking mm. underground shit. And they're doing this. They're hanging out with fucking butthole surfers. They're hanging out with Sam Raimi and they're trying to make movies. And Sam Raimi's like, I want to produce some of this. This is, this is like, right around dark man, right around army of darkness. I mean, Sam Raimi is still like a fucking, I mean, he's on fire still. Like he, he's changing Hollywood with evil Dead Two. like changed everything. Right. There's no Coen brothers. There's no Tarantino. I mean that everybody looks at the energy of that movie and it fucking changes the game, the, the, yep. the comedy and horror. I mean, everything about that. Right. So he's, we want to work with these guys and trying to get something made and they're trying to make this butthole surfers movie which is what the hideous being freaks is what it was they wrote it yeah. on the surfers. and it was this super hardcore rated r movie starring the butthole surfers and the freak show movie and then long story short they accidentally pitched it somehow and they flipped it into a pg-13 and wrote it over the course of a night and all this kind of bizarre like some one of those great stories right
0: right um, right
1: and it, it's just like so many things happened right that like this movie shouldn't have gotten made to begin with right it's just one of those like Fever dream kind of things where the guy's like, Hey, I like your moxie kid, and fucking they get this movie made. But then, as soon as they fucking oust that guy, nobody wants to make this fucking thing anymore. But, and then, like, but you think about this too, like, this is like right when The Simpsons were getting in their prime, right? And if you go back and look at like season four, season five of The Simpsons, the wit and like the irreverence and the subversion on that show is like actually shocking today. I go back and watch some of the sly, like, political comments and stuff and the satire they throw in, and I'm like, God damn, how did they get away with this shit? Yeah. So like there was that kind of changing tides where some, I'm not saying something like this would have been like a huge hit, but it wouldn't have been super obscene. Again, we're, we're thinking about things like Toxic Avenger, right? There is that underground cult. There is kind of the end of the punk rock scene and all this kind of stuff. Clerks, there is that kind of fuck you attitude that has some popularity. So it wouldn't have been as out of place as you might think. In fact, it might've been like cool to people, at least kids, right? I mean, at least the 10 year olds would have seen the colorful and the yeah. new and the fucking gross out shit and been like, that's cool man i don't Then it's punk rock music all this badass stuff i mean
0: there is definitely an element of it that probably would have been especially now like i could see freaked playing on fucking nickelodeon if they would have take out the language and like the sexual shit like
1: yeah right because yes otherwise it's not yes yeah yeah and people are into bizarre things and i think people have always underestimated um you know there, there's there's a fairly large portion of the general audience that likes some some weird shit man yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it doesn't have to be it's it's not i mean it, you know it's still for just a section of the audience but it's a pretty big section
0: yeah exactly yeah. uh i i almost forgot again backtracking a tiny bit mm-hmm. The synopsis for Freaked is uh, a vain actor, his best friend, and an activist end up at a mutant freak farm run by a weirdo scientist. That's the, that's the synopsis slash tagline, according to IMDb. So, essentially, Ricky Coogan
1: was a child actor, stars in uh, hits such as Ghost Dude, and um,
0: yeah,
1: he gets an uh, endorsement deal from the Everything Except Shoes Company. To promote Zygrot 24, which is a fertilizer down in Santa Flan in uh, in South America. Santa Flan is a country named for the patron saint of creamy desserts. And um, so, Zygrot 24 is supposed to be super dangerous and hurt people. But like his mystic and his bodyguard and all these people are like, no, don't do it, dude, because like it's just fucked up. But then it's like it's five million dollars, so he's like, let's fucking do it. And let's then, do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> takes his asshole friend down there and then he tries to pick up um a super hardcore left-wing activist chick and he's like super misogynist and they got that going on there and yep
0: hilarity ensues hilarity ensues uh yeah that's that's the general synopsis and story set up and then they they get uh, they get freaked and freakified or freak it, freakazoided or freakized by randy quaid with the the zygrot 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 Zygrout 24. Zygrot 24. Completely forgot about the whole claymation transformation sequence. That was hilarious.
1: Oh yes. And references to oh, Rayhausen yeah.
0: and yeah. There was there was so much happening in that movie, which is like it's such a shame knowing all that backstory and like how and how and why it didn't come out because I feel like Alex's Alex Winter's career could have gone way different. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I think so too. It, If not, not even, like, probably he could have done more acting stuff, but more than anything, the writing of this, like, the guys who wrote this, the other, like, yeah, Tim Burns and Tom Stern, and then also him, they could have had pretty blossoming cool writing careers. And I don't know that the other guys haven't, but... Oh, no, I got a good story. I got a good story there, too. Oh, sorry.
1: Unfortunately, they had another ass fucking right after this movie Um, no tim burns and tom stern go on to write an american world from paris son of a bitch (laughs) okay you gotta imagine that the movie that made theaters wasn't the movie that they wrote right Right, right. i mean it
0: almost never is
1: yes (laughs) and that movie is known to be uh not to be and their names are like essentially the sole writing credits on it um yeah However, there's very little in the film that is what they wrote. Um, that sucks. Yes, uh, so that's another you know, story from another podcast. But yeah, they, uh, they had a pretty bad story there because Tom Stern is supposed to direct that one too. Is actually in the contract. So if they wrote this great, which was probably a pretty good sequel to one of the greatest, let's say one of the greatest movies of all time, I'll just go so far as to say that, um, he would have potentially, again, had a, had a blossoming career. That was two years after. That was still he's getting a shot at writing something, even though Freaks didn't even get released. Think about that. Damn. So, yeah. 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 Who knows? Those, 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 you know, that's always those stories. Right. Who, who knows what could have been?
0: Who knows what could, more, more weird, interesting, fun shit like this we could have gotten from from Alex Winter, from any one of those people in general.
1: Or even little things, because if the movie would have been released in theaters, it would have been eligible for Oscars. Now you're thinking like Oscars, what the fuck? But for the makeup effects, because you know yeah, what, you're what right. one won? You do you know what won for makeup that year? No. This is
0: Yeah, son of a bitch. That yeah. could have. It could have won. This is
1: Dotfire versus Freaked. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, the the, the level of, of creature effects in that movie for $12 million. I mean, $12 million is a lot of money for a creature effects movie, obviously. Um, and that's pretty much where the whole budget went. Uh, except one million dollars for keanu reeves for his like three scenes because he was becoming a star they paid him a million dollars which is you know a 12th of the movie's budget went to keanu reeves in full dog boy makeup which is like the biggest joke of all and that pissed the studio off so much so he wasn't even credited uh and he got like such a big chunk of the budget
0: what a shit show yeah uh knowing that is is so frustrating on like a a filmmaker side like a fan side just like come on man yeah, like he probably would have worked
1: like you know to scale or whatever but because his buddy but yeah it's a funny i don't know or unless i don't know maybe his agent's like no this you know his minimum is is a million dollars now it's just like i don't give a fuck dude me, I'll pay you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that totally could have been the case too and then as a joke to the studios he said me they're irreverent right so it's more yeah. like no no yeah we got keanu reeves a million dollars get him yes he's a big star and it's like we're gonna cover his fucking face and nobody's gonna know it's him um because to me that's actually way funnier like that is i, I want to say really that
0: that's what uh, yeah um i uh i laughed a lot about the jokes and um i mean kind of a little bit segueing here into uh, like yeah. what we liked what worked for us and why and all that but i was laughing so much at so many of those jokes though the referential jokes and like the culture jokes Right, right out the gate at the beginning when he's telling the story and Brooke Shields goes, and he's like, oh, what movies did you see? Oh, uh, Blue Lagoon 2? Oh, I heard that one was really bad. <laughs> Just like, yeah. Yep. Already, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> going like, already.
1: Yourself. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, I was like, this is going to be so fucking funny. Um, yeah. And it's very, it, it, it what you said uh, airplane, and I agree. I was going to say like uh, naked gun, airplane. Absolutely. It's It's yep. definitely a movie in that vein. So much slapstick nonsense happens before they even get to like before they even get to the point where they're turned into freaks you know yeah the so that that was just like it was so much fun seeing all that and it's another example of a movie that can have fun playing in those genres and poking fun at itself but also very Kind of astutely holding up a mirror to a lot of issues going on and doing pretty fun humor and poking jokes at all of it. Like Yeah, yeah, I think it does
1: that. It has some some level of conscious obviously is making jokes about um corporate greed and then about yep. environmentalism and things like that, and even uh, left wing and right wing jokes and feminism and misogyny and all, all yeah, a bunch of shit. And it's it's just, all like, there. But in the vein of right, but it's nonstop, fast, stupid, screwball comedy at the same time. So exactly. it's relative, you know it's kind of smart, but it's also really stupid, and um, yeah, you know, it's fun. And not, not everything lands, but when you're doing a hundred jokes a minute, well, no shit, not everything lands. But surprisingly, a lot of the jokes land, and it, it, it's funny. It's it's a pretty funny movie, um, and it's like nothing else. That's that's the biggest thing. Yeah, right? like you know, I, I like Todd browning's freaks a lot um i like people who are different like i like uh you know i hate you know to call people real people freaks but like yeah i like freaks i like people who are born different differently abled whatever the hell and like live normal lives and stuff i always loved that todd browning movie and i know this movie isn't that but i also like body horror and things like that so kind of i know the movie is kind of inspired by todd browning's freaks in a way i mean it would have to be if you're just kind of doing a freak movie but then um, yeah and also the freaks rising up and stuff like that um I, I don't know this movie's just like i mean it's fucking bizarre because if nobody's ever heard of it if you go look up images from it and stuff like what the hell am i looking at like that th- this uh-huh. again this level of, of of makeup effects and creature design like you, you don't have the budget for that normally yeah and john hawks like you mentioned earlier like yeah now he's like a you know indie darling classic actor everybody knows who john hawks is he's a great actor and yep. um this is before he was super famous though because yep. he he was french with these guys, and they used to hang out. He was in the Idiot Box. Lee Ehrenberg is not super famous, but he's one of the pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean, and he had a reoccurring role in Seinfeld as well. So he's right. you know, people would recognize him, um, and he's funny, and he's the eternal flame in this—a guy who just farts fire out of his ass continuously. Um, so there, you know, there's also that level of humor uh, as well. Yeah, Sockhead is is a fucking uh, a person's body with uh, a sock puppet for a head. It's badass, I and mean, the fucking movie's so cool. There's so many fun things and it is a little juvenile right but it's um not so i think it i think it walks the line like we said there's a little bit of um smartness to it um even though it's immature
0: and stuff yeah it, it definitely does walk that line but i think it walks it really well like it really straddles the line really well all the way through um and yeah there's there's definitely stuff that it does not does not translate well to modern no. to modern day but no it is what it is there's a lot of movies that unfortunately that fall fall into that category Um, hey at least it doesn't say you
1: know in in almost every 80s movie people say the f-word and obviously if i'm saying fuck all day long then we you know we know what i'm talking about so um they don't wait no no i don't think they do i don't think they do but both the bill and ted movies do so like and like bill and ted movies are otherwise completely fantastic and wholesome and it's just like such an odd like just feels you know out of place uncomfortable but like you know, we, it is the the times, it is what it is. Um, So this one doesn't have anything that's quite like that out of touch, but there are some things beyond that. Um, And then just like references that are like, okay, that's not that funny anymore because who gives a shit or like some things become so topical when you're making a movie like this too, that it's like. Yeah,
0: I, uh, there were some few jokes that I, I just, I loved because of how stupid they were, frankly. his mouse is an actual mouse on his computer. Yeah. I was like okay. that's yeah. so fucking stupid, but I, it was so funny. Yeah, little little uh, gags like that, <laughs> sight gag, like just. Yes. Yeah, just all these little sight gags peppered throughout the whole thing. On his enter key is a printed label from a label maker that he slapped onto it, but it says E N T U R Enter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could, I just, yeah, little shit like that cracks me up. Yeah. Um, oh, you know who
1: the you know who the production designer is?
0: Who? Catherine hardwick no shit Mm -hmm. before
1: yeah before she had 13 she was a production designer and a pretty goddamn good one um yeah because this movie is not shot in south america or anything you know it's shot right there in la so um yeah yeah the the set the sets and stuff are also fucking beautiful i mean it's a good it's a good looking movie um it's a very slick production for such a fucking grimy kind of punk rock thing uh yeah Catherine, Catherine hardwick and she did a fantastic job
0: she really yeah because that everything everything like Mm -hmm. all the set pieces all all of the way everything is set up the way it looks was super kind of just amazing it just is all it all works so well yeah uh the one of the jokes that i don't know that holds up as well but i still Mm -hmm. was laughing at because i was one of those things i forgot about entirely but the eyes that pop out of the <laughs> yes. giant fucking head and I, I was and like I, what yeah. yes i was like the giant oh rasta God. eyeballs those are yeah. awesome
1: and like the way their uh, pupils move and stuff when they talk like, yeah yeah not only is it funny the effect is also very cool um it was very cool
0: and it's also like so weird and off-putting uh, <laughs> the second scene i was re-watching it and like you know it makes sense because Rastafari is and I couldn't remember if it was in the first scene, but one of the eyes definitely has like a joint sticking out of the pupil. And I was like, yeah. that is the most disturbing fucking thing I think I've seen. <laughs> it's like, I get it, but it was just like, this is an image right here. My God. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, it is, man. Um, these are the kind of things, you know, I was talking to Sean about it the other day, Sean Kelly, also a guest on Scott's Movie Pod. Yes, indeed. Um, yes, indeed. And yeah, I, you know, I saw it so early and I watched it so often that like this, and, and Toxic Avenger too. those are things that really kind of, you know, gave me an interest in the bizarre and the gonzo and things like that. Yeah. I think, and, and, and if you know, you know, you know, that's is the kind of shit that I write, man. Like, I like us, to, we're monsters, but like in fun ways. So um, yeah, yeah. And like, and, and some of that shit definitely came from here. Like, I think the Beast Boy, um, makeup, because I was like Batman, right? Well, yeah, you know that. No shit. Um, uh, yeah, Two Face, right? It was always a, a favorite villain of mine as well. And, yeah. Uh, there's the similarities there. I always had this Batman annual. I think it was like '91 or '90, and like on the cover of that was a Two Face. He was drawn kind of green, and like I remember vividly buying that comic because it reminded me of the Beast Boy and, and all these kind of things. So these are some of like the early, like seven, eight year old memories and like i know this is something that like the style yeah insane rocks to eyeballs sockhead man and like monsters and siamese people and stuff are definitely things that influence my style it's
0: so much fun going back to this and seeing all this stuff and like experiencing it again for me eh, vomit jokes i always tend to find funny i I always tend to find funny even spray spray vomit gets old but i still think it's (laughs) funny Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that's that was I played straight. Yeah, just just played straight the whole time. Yeah. Like, that's that's when I just, I think those gags are so good. And, you know, you gotta, his friends become, like, a two-headed creature. Sorry, spoiler. But one of them's like, no, you're you're fine. And the other one's like, can't keep it together. Just starts throwing up. Yes. And the other one just tries hard and then finally both heads are throwing up. I was like, this is great. This is so stupid. I love it.
1: Oh, it's great timing. I mean, it's yeah. all done. Yeah, it's it's a good comedy. It, it really is. William Sadler's great. And William Sadler's always great. I think that he's kind of always been an underrated actor. Um, and I think he's fantastic as this as the other villain, the bigger villain than even yes. Randy Yes, yes. He,
0: uh, he you, you can also catch him if uh, you are familiar, because it's we're talking to Alex Winter here and Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's deaf in Bill and Ted's bogus journey and um, and save the music that's right i forgot he's spoiler alert i think he's in the trailer i'm pretty sure he's in the trailer i just don't think i i'm not even sure i saw the new one yet actually i liked it i liked it um Hmm. you know
1: it's a a night it's a pleasant it's a pleasant movie to watch fair enough it's just a nice movie and again the only bill and ted where they don't call someone the f-word so hey was a great one yeah it's a very positive they're moving they're moving forward
0: um progress
1: yeah (laughs) absolutely no it's good it's i like it it's a very it's a very enjoyable movie very much in the same light vein as the other ones um so i recommend it it's a good one
0: yeah just all those little side gags and everything like that but all the like the little tiny jokes like that they're very Mm -hmm. it falls into that yeah naked gun airplane sort of slapstick oh yeah really over exaggerated on the nose jokes and yes. and comedy just the stupid shit like sock head the one that's a sock puppet for a head the big reveal that sock head is not actually a sock puppet but you take the sock comes off and it's just another hand where a head should be and you're that's just more questions you're like wait what then everybody feels robbed that it wasn't a real <laughs> the entire crowd loses their mind <laughs> It's not a real sock puppet. It's just a hand. This is bullshit. Yeah, it's so fucking silly. And then going from that into having Beast Boy do a literal Richard the Third (laughs) Shakespeare. It's so
1: silly. Yeah. And then translated for for the dumber audience.
0: Right. In Subtitles.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In
0: subtitles. Oh Uh... my god
1: it's amazing yeah, it's, and then mr t as again as the bearded lady right um mr t is perfection Just... well he so and i think mr t's a guy who takes himself pretty seriously and stuff for you know god bless him but um it's you'd think like wow that's that's really cool of him that he did this because my one of my favorite jokes is i think you'd be better off without a dick mm. Mm. the beard oh, <laughs> oh. and then <laughs> that's it that's awesome. and that was that's how he transformed this is me. I like me. <laughs> like it's, it's awesome. But um, he did get fed up with wearing a dress after a while and three days before the end of the shoot, he walked upset and didn't come back. Oh, that's lame. Yeah. No hard feelings. He just talked to uh, Alex Winter, called him. He's like, dude, come on. You got to come back. He's like, no, man, I just can't do it anymore and this kind of stuff. So um, Lee Ehrenberg does a pretty good Mr. T. So he did all the ADR for him. Um, and then they had a scab, T in like the final showdown scenes in the cage—they have him standing in the back, and it's not him for like one one day of shooting. And then like the milkman scene, which is another silly, hilarious joke. Um, right. Lee, Lee Ehrenberg movie. voices him in in the milkman scene. And once you know it, then you could listen and say, "Okay, that's not Mister T," but it's a pretty decent Mister T impression.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. That was it's gonna good good. be one uh, the the milkman thing for sure. It was so yes. so stupid. What, like, the setup for it was just like, what are you gonna do with this? And then when they execute what they do, and it just, yeah, it, you know, because obviously comedy is subverting the expectation with something you just is absurd, and Yes. yes there's uh, for anybody watching or listening rather like you'll know because you've either seen the movie or you, when you do see it you'll know when you get there yeah, yeah basically there's them. an escape attempt by all the freaks where they're all wearing milkman outfits and i'm not going to get into too many details on it but the runner of this this setup and this joke is just like it's a one-liner that ends up coming from randy quaid at the very end of this fucking scene that is oh, yeah, okay. explains nothing if anything it just raises a lot of questions but it makes it so that the escape attempt more or less kind of works <laughs> that's so stupid well no wonder. well no wonder they fight so much <laughs> what yeah. yeah like this is supposed yeah. to be a well-known thing that milkmen fight a lot or something Ugh.
1: i so like silly. the
0: uh I like the uh, setup even before that for Ricky to get
1: his, for him, like it was his idea to begin with the way he was in the first Milkman is a pretty funny (laughs) scene, just stupid one as well.
0: It's all the logic wrapped around that too. It's like, okay, so he like, he he beat up a guy and took his Milkman outfit and his milk and then he like is roaming the property now trying to figure out what to do next. Then he runs into the rest of the freaks all with the same getup. Did they all also knock out Milkman? (laughs) did they come that's up with just, these or did they go by yeah did they have these for weeks planning this
1: or like yeah how did their plan come about like what just, yeah, happened to be a coincidence yeah right yeah that's that's the absurdity yeah it's like a cartoon man like that's that's what's so fun about it like that's movies that's there was no limit to the absurdity and right there there had been movies that had made like that right of course the naked gun movies and the airplane which again i used to watch i love leslie nielsen as a kid i watched mm-hmm. Naked Gun movies all the time right and um yeah this i to me it's the same right and like some people might see it and like that's not the same because because it, it's spoofing different things right yeah but the style the speed is the same in fact this is probably even faster with the fucking jokes like this movie is kind of non-stop and like some people can't watch stuff that is kind of like a bombardment like that and there is a limit but this isn't like a fast cutting tony scott movie or anything i mean it, right but but the jokes are uh kind of one after another and if you don't catch one then you might miss one or you're laughing or whatever the hell um that's a the pretty point. rapid fire yeah they're pretty rapid fire they're just kind of like hit after hit after hit they just keep like on S- coming i like stewie gluck i like most of the scenes with the with the troll kid stewie gluck are usually pretty funny um it's how people describe him or react to him or
0: that yeah throw him he's, through windows he's great <laughs> yeah throwing it through windows. That, that was a great runner, too. That whole sight gag runner. Yes. just Like, being thrown out of offices, but just getting thrown through glass doors and windows. And then on the last one, he throws himself through the fucking door. So, oh, it could be a story for that one, too. You know who was doing the stunts for Stewie Gluck?
1: No. Deep Roy. What? So, Deep Roy, obviously, he played uh, a small role early yeah. in the movie. And then he was also, yeah, he's like, I'll do the stunts. I'll jump through the windows. And they're like, Okay. So on the last one, he cut himself up pretty bad, too. And it's like, oh, oh shit. no. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah, DeVoy's like, yeah, I could do it. So apparently he is also a small stuntman.
0: That's wild. I had no yeah, idea.
1: Me neither. Until I, of course, heard
0: that story. That's, yeah. Nuts. Well, I mean, great comedic effect, you know.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful, oh, man. That, yeah, those are, those are funny scenes.
0: Uh, I was I was struck by you know of all the different jokes in there, but I was struck by uh, how they're watching the TV show for like that split second, and it's a, the show title comes on, "Crooked Cops," and I was I nearly spit out my drink because I was like, laugh, "I was like, holy shit!" You want to talk about like holding up a mirror to society, but like you know with comedy, you just go hard with it. I was like, for coming out in the early '90s, <laughs> yeah, I was like, "All right, guys." Well played. <laughs> well Never played.
1: And I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, oh, I might be wrong about this. This might be something that I'm not 100%. I want to say Sam Raimi is one of those fucking cops.
0: Oh. That's something
1: I forgot, but now it's coming back to me. And maybe I'm wrong, but like, for some reason, I vaguely, I want to say that's like a deep, deep cameo, pre-filmed, before oh, production kind of deal. But like, don't quote me on that one. But for some reason... That just came to mind. That
0: would be so cool if that's true.
1: Yeah, because I'd forgotten. Because like I just read that interview recently, that was from 2012, where he mentioned that they had been working with Sam Raimi, and I never knew that. I was like, oh damn, what you know, what could have been. And now, for some reason, that sounds familiar. But maybe I'm wrong about that. But yeah, yeah, that's there. There's all kinds of, and that was also that's a gag to cover up something that's going on in the Freak Lab at the time. I mean, there's a lot of. Um, uh, I mean, they're, they're just. The movie's fucking funny, man. Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Tell you, but, um, it's not for everybody, right? Obviously, it's gross. There's gross out gags and things like that. Even the design of Beast Boy might be enough that some people just can't watch the movie.
0: Yeah.
1: Oo- oozing and things like that. So, like.
0: Oozing and it. squirting goo and slime and drool yeah. pretty much the entire time. <laughs> yes.
1: And the drool is just because he it's real because it's real. the things in his mouth i mean he can't keep his mouth closed all the acting has to be adr because he can't move his face and he's directing the movie
0: remember that know.
1: so uh, that's the other funny part
0: it's, yeah it's uh it's just like hats off you know what that's what one of my uh, favorite makeups what a of feat. all time the it's, uh, it's really good yeah i think it's awesome i think it's working with that on your face the whole time yeah like, Hats off, like, honestly. Alex,
1: Alex Winter's a good actor. Um, he's, he's great in the Bill and Ted movies. And I realize that people think those are, oh, they're, they're not hard. But no, dude, those guys, are, those guys are great in those movies. I mean, I know it's a particular kind of role, but they're very funny. They play those roles very well. Uh, now Alex Winter is, is a decent actor. He's a child actor. He was a yep. stage actor. I mean, he's, he's a real actor um, who got really fucked, more or less.
0: Yeah.
1: He's also a good filmmaker. He has a Frank Zappo documentary out right now. Um he did a documentary about child actors, I think. I don't know if they that one might have been for HBO or something, but like so he he has a, a
0: hey, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look into his, his docs then. I, I had no idea. I'll check those out. That's cool. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um He was in the
1: Lost Boys, he was one of the Lost Boys, obviously.
0: Right, right. I was gonna say there was a line um stuck with me and it's also probably good like uh, what we liked and what worked, with the, worked for us we did that where we're, we're on to moments that stuck with us and why and personal highlights from set piece story etc etc uh, yeah um, but there was a line I wrote down because uh, there was a few lines in this that were really good and it was just like "Ooh, I just like that line mm-hmm. but I think it was said by the our, our head corporate villain I keep forgetting his, his actual name in the movie um what is this? Uh, laughing man is laughing the, man is code the name. laughing man i forgot what else they call him but yeah he's laughing i'll stick with laughing man that's like more more appropriate here uh those who oppose us will drown in the blood of their children i was like jesus what a line <laughs> and it was like almost out of
1: place when he yeah. said it like jesus dude why are you so why did you go, go so dark even though oh like, man I, I love that sequence, actually. Uh, the whole thing, that, uh, it's hilarious when Elijah's up there, funny setup. The guy who follows yep. him is great. And then it ends with that
0: line. And we're like, Jesus Christ. Jesus like, Christ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like, this, this took a wild turn. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. it's kind of always there, but you, you drop the line and you're just like, okay, this is getting crazy, but... Uh, well, because that's supposed to make you way. laugh because it's such like an odd... Like,
1: it's like the audacity to say that for some yeah. reason. You're supposed to go like, whoa, what the fuck? But some people would say like, that's
0: not funny. Like, what? You're stupid. No, oh, there's just, so many ways they could have played that scene too. You, you could have like everybody in the room's like... Or they could have had everybody just play it straight and they... I feel like everybody just plays it straight. <laughs> they like, applaud yeah. Yeah. They're like, yes, exactly. Yes! <laughs> That's corporate America. That's That's, that's, exa- America. That, that's the joke, um,
1: or the not to give this gag away, but as um, when when the troll kid is is crawling across the ground and touches their feet, that all that exchange there is hilarious. Um,
0: <laughs> that was that was great. I forgot about that. He, uh, yeah, wait. he thinks he's giving him the foot tap under the table. Yeah, he's like, mm. <laughs> uh, I Just, loved. Uh, uh, that was troll kid yeah but like kind of fulfilling some of those sort of setups troll kid becomes a troll i was like thank you Mm -hmm. yes good uh the fact that the corporate the corporate stooges become corporate sludge and then and then immediately become the one thing that they weren't because they're everything but shoes and they become just a fucking shoe (laughs) yeah like that's oh this is good it's just it's it's so much fun and it's, well, okay. it's great it chaos a, like,
1: a, a feminist and a misogynist and they, so they become stuck together right yep you have a guy who's very vain so he becomes uh, a hideous freak you have super masculine guy who becomes the bearded lady
0: exactly
1: you have, you have a wrench that becomes a hammer and then uh <laughs> just I you have a, a guy who studied worms who became a worm himself uh, you had a dumb fisherman that became a sock puppet so i, mean, I don't know but yes they're, they're they're saying something there that's about society i haven't quite figured it out but i think that one's a deep joke there
0: yeah my uh my one the one freak joke that i'm still not sure where they what they were doing with it it was just funny because it was very clearly it, Clearly just a, a, a joke for the sake of the pun was the frogman just being a fucking scuba diver. I was like, all right, yes. Come on, you guys. <laughs> yes.
1: Also, he made this may there may have been a slight uh I, knew, I think he was French.
0: Oh a French yes, scuba right. diver. A French so scuba a diver. Slightly racist. Um but yes, that yes, it's a double, it's a stupid joke. Yeah, that, that that would that would stuck with me just because I was like, "That's so fucking dumb," but I love it because it's so dumb. Yeah, it is very stupid. Yes. Uh, yeah, the uh, that was great, but uh, just like all those all those setups for what they could be, and like accenting that in their transformations was very cool. Uh, very very fun in general, and just um, surprising. Basically, I think uh, you, you know, I. I think it's the one thing re-watching any movie from the late 80s or the early 90s where the comedy or horror satirical in any sense is seeing yeah where we already were kind of at yeah as like a society and culturally as far as our commentary on ourselves mm-hmm. and uh where we have or haven't changed in that respect and oh, it's yeah. like this was like 93 right 93 94 uh yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah this movie had such a struggle getting out there but Uh it would have been one of those movies that was calling attention or calling out like little things like this in a funny way and uh yeah too bad it. too bad it didn't get widespread, because...
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's always had a cult, it had a cult audience immediately, but it's always been <coughs> right? um, yeah, yeah. a right? Yeah, yeah. It pretty large cult following. Uh, yeah, it has a great irreverence, and you're right, because those are pretty much the kind of comedies I like, you know, my favorite movie of all time, essentially, is Dr. Strangelove, which is, like, that damn, the most scathing comedy of all time. And, oh, yeah. You know, I love The Cable Guy, and that's another one that should be the next episode that uh. we can do. Um, and that's one that's perfect for watching like that, right? You go back and watch it and like, oh, there's a couple great lines in this movie that are very, and then uh, the upset, oh, 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 all kinds of great stuff in that one. Um, yes, I love comedies that are commentaries, you know, Dawn the Dead. I mean, all these things are like, these are my favorite movies. And yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yes, it's fun to see what, <clears throat> what people were saying then and now, because there are always, you know, anything that's allegorical. Always holds up you know a story from a thousand years ago about the rich versus the poor is exactly the same as it is now and these kind of things right so um it is fun to go back and see what people are saying and, and see what has and hasn't changed and then to be a little bit bitter and cynical about what hasn't changed sometimes mm-hmm. it's always kind of fun and then to see where we've evolved too right some jokes are outdated socially even if somebody was progressive back then they weren't progressive about everything right there were things that they were like okay Okay, hey, well, I didn't realize that I was being shitty to this kind of person or whatever the hell, right? So it is, yeah, everything's interesting in context. And that's the way I love to uh, approach things, right? You can watch it as it is and just say, hey, this is fun. And then you can go back and think about it like, man, at this time, think about what it would have done and think like, well, we can let this pass or not for the time or whatever, and just kind of judge yeah. things however you want. Um, yeah, based on context, it is. yeah, it's great. This is a good one for that, especially because of the story, right? Because it came in with, the, with so much energy and they had the soundtrack, You had the Butthole Surfers, you had Henry Rollins, Blind Idiot God, you had, yeah. so um, they are big fans of Parliament Funkadelic, which was, you know, the, the funk group with uh, Bootsy Collins and, and George Clinton, and they were, they were broken up at the time. So they got them back together to do this song, Hideous Mutant Freaks, it's been the first time mm-hmm. that they'd played together in a long time, but they were under the name Axiom Funk and uh which later they did an album and stuff like just shortly after this but that was the first time allegedly like they, like they essentially it was them more or less who got them back together um or maybe they were about to get back together and this is the first song they recorded but when you hear Alex Winter talking about it in the commentary he's a huge music fan you could tell he's like kind of choked up about it because they never released the soundtrack and all these things that were promised to them that were supposed yeah, to happen yeah. didn't happen um but they had put together this movie that like you know they felt it was they felt so strongly about it. they did something and they were really proud of what they did because i mean again look at it the level of production design the the amount of jokes the irreverence the 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 humor the fucking wit the the the, the amount of talent that was involved in the movie think about like just look at it the the makeup effects artist, or scream mad george and an oscar winner fucking Catherine hardwick as production designer yep. i mean all these people i mean it's a it's a fantastic um assembly of talents to make this movie was almost completely destroyed. The one print that existed of it would have been destroyed. It's shocking that it even got the Anchor Bay DVD release that it got, which is a a fantastic release. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has so many extra features. That's why I know most of the things that I know about the movie and that we can enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's fucked up. This $12 million studio film by 20th Century Fox was almost completely lost to obscurity because somebody was like, what the fuck is this how did somebody sign off on this and try to destroy it um it's a sad tale but luckily this is a positive Mm -hmm. podcast and we still have a print version of it Mondo has released a two vinyl soundtrack which is beautiful and it's fantastic um and it's on this cool colorful vinyl um there are foreign blu-rays of it I think there was a briefly released blu-ray and maybe one day because we have a print we will get some kind of restoration of them. I don't think we have the negative, you know, but um I don't know. You know, the the movie's out there, we're aware of it. You know, it won't have the the life that it could have had, but it has a life and it and it influenced me. And that's uh you know
0: yeah dude so did something uh I was gonna say the one one of the things that I like really and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I really liked it was at the very, very end of the movie. This could have been something that they put in there uh, as kind of like a fuck you to the studio or like an, an allusion to dealing with the studio, or it was just part of the story and they didn't think that much about it. But at the end of the movie, they do this whole like the whole life lesson, I learned something today, or they're starting to lead into that and talk about like all the important issues that they kind of touched on And then instead, the guy that's saying that gets interrupted so that the guy can kiss the girl, and we have the Hollywood ending. And I was like, I don't know if that was on purpose or on accident, but it is such a perfect fucking metaphor or simile, allegory, whatever for for how it is. They're like, oh, let me start to give you the key important story, like the the lesson of this, the lesson of this story no, that's not important. Instead, we'll give you the the guy and the girl get together. This is what people want to see. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right.
1: Yes. Um, Certainly. Yeah. 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 Whether it was based on a studio note or whether just commenting on things like that, because it makes sense in the context of this kind of comedy. Right. Uh, But no, I think was definitely, I think that is the intent, you know, more or less. Um, But at the same time, I think they're also throwing in you know Stewie comes back who had been on some kind of adventures a bag full of body parts or something and um and then you have uh the the Jason back essentially yep um and and all these kind of non-stop jokes and then it's like well what did we learn here and it's got like, oh, fuck you shut up and like he's gonna, ah. <laughs> so it's only 80 minutes it's an 80 minute movie uh, it's a quick watch yeah i think like 12 or 13 minutes were cut that's the the last uh the last fuck you that happened in the movie i believe was that it was also trimmed down um but yeah 80 minutes quick watch goes real fast um kind of feels like candy in a way (laughs) like he's he's like oh it's like oh this is crazy you get a little rush and then it's over and everything's gone what the hell was that jesus christ
0: yeah it's super wacky it's super wacky and a lot of fun and um yeah i uh i'm trying to think of anything else i have to say right now because it's 80 80 minutes yeah. yeah yeah the fast pace and the jokes and everything it doesn't it both doesn't feel like that it feels like a a longer experience in a good way but it also you're just processing a lot of stuff all the time so quickly that it is yeah. it is a little easy i can uh, imagine getting like a little lost in in points just like the story thread the main story thread a little bit but that's the nature of this kind of film yeah, yeah. right like is that really what we're what are we do we care what happens we're we just watching jokes I mean right exactly <clears throat> and that we're I think still, that plays still. into that ending too as well you know so that yeah that, that face
1: oh yeah it's kind of a uh you know throw everything at the wall and see what sticks kind of movie in a way but you know, yeah I mean, the basic story is there we know what happened you you become freak you try not to be freak movie over I mean that's what come on it's what but yeah, you forget you forget about stuff, and then when the when EES is reintroduced, even though it's only been 40 minutes, maybe you don't remember or care or anything. Like, you know, I, I get it. I mean, I, yes, yeah, I yeah. understand. I'm not saying it's some uh, perfect film. But for me, again, it, the way I judge comedies, and, uh, you know, we could all – film is so subjective. We could judge anything however the hell we want, but um, even if we're trying to allegedly approach things in an objective way, something makes you laugh, it makes you laugh. You can't say like, well, that shouldn't have made me laugh because that was stupid or whatever the hell. Um, We all have our own sense of humor. And to me, when I'm judging comedy, um, if it's a well-made movie that doesn't make me laugh, do I think it's a good comedy? Like, you know, I think that the Hangover movie, at least I never saw the third one, the first two, they're well-made movies, right? The acting is good. They look great. The pacing is great. The first one had a a fantastic premise. That's a good script. Um, But I didn't laugh my ass off. So right. like do I, do I think it's a great comedy? I don't know. I think it's a pretty good movie. I think it's a well-made movie. Um, but then I watch something that maybe isn't a good movie like Basketball, um, which is a very stupid uh, lowbrow thing. And then I laugh and it's like, okay, is that a good movie? Well, I don't about to say it's a good movie, but I think it's a funny comedy. Um, right. So I think that judging comedies, it's like, well, I don't care if you are stupid or if your pacing is well not pacing that's different right but it's like if the story doesn't pull through or there's continuity errors things like that like none of that really matters as long as it was funny like i have to judge a comedy that way right
0: yeah exactly i think you know if the movie does what it's set out to do then i think that's probably all that really matters and if it made you fucking laugh and uh then then good that that's for the intent of this was to make you laugh so
1: yes and it won't Uh, make everybody laugh it won't make everybody laugh but
0: true it probably won't make everybody laugh but uh (laughs) it's still pretty
1: fun i don't know i think it's fun i think it's very fun it's funny and at the very least if you don't think it's funny or you think it's juvenile if you're somebody who's into practical effects i mean it's a legitimate feast um this is right at the tail end of the height of, of practical effects. Uh, yep. This is right after T2 came out. This is right around the, this is the same year that um, Jurassic Park came out. So this is right when we're switching over to CGs and we're getting away from animatronics and, and practical effects. And you have some really great work here. I agree.
0: I really like, just as, as a general thing, um, anytime a movie has like a lot of characters or a lot, like an ensemble cast that we have to be introduced to. That's, you know, sometimes that can be done really well, and sometimes it could be done really clunky and take forever. So, yeah. I really, really love movies that introduce their ensemble cast to you in a creative, quick way. Mm-hmm. So, like doing the whole joke gag of like, uh, what is center square? the uh, Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares. I was like, it's not tic tac toe. That's literally what it is. But yeah. Um, doing the Hollywood squares game show as a device to set up all of their freaks characters. Really good. I really, I loved it. I was like, this is great. I love shit like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any, like I said, anytime a movie can introduce characters in a quick, concise way, but also give you a taste of who those characters are just as quickly is like chef's Kiss. my hats off to you because it's hard to do you know? Yeah. And I I do, I I agree with you in that one. And then I think that then they give you a
1: little depth later with the, um, they tell their backstories. Right. So I think it's a funny way to introduce, especially the secondary ones. That's where yeah, your 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 frogman joke is. That's where your Paul Lynn joke is, which is a little dated and a lot of people wouldn't necessarily get that one, but it's Mm -hmm. silly anyway. So yeah, nosy nose man. Like that's, yeah, you get the the introduction is great because there, it's, it's a gag for each one. And some of them, that's all the character really is, is like that that, that single gag. So it's great to, to have it there. And then we know they're in the background. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I've heard that as a criticism that people thought that was like a, a, a silly one. But um, I mean, the movie is silly. And uh, I agree with you. I think it's a funny way. And it's and it feels interesting because you you already, see, the movie feels big to me, right? Uh, because it has like such a variety of characters you, and you see them so quick. It's like, oh, you're giving me a lot. Like, I don't know. There's like that, there's a subconscious thing to me that when you see a variety um, in, in production in that way, especially so fast, it just kind of gives it a grander scale. Um, I don't know, maybe that's just. me.
0: I think you're right. I think you're right. What else, what else, what else? Then we're in the closing thoughts. Anything else that we wanna say about the movie that we haven't already said or haven't brought up? Uh, so anything you've got, I'm trying to think of anything that I haven't mentioned. I'm like looking through my notes. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know I think it's a super fun movie. It's
1: a very particular kind of style, you know, it's not for everyone there I don't think there is another movie that's quite like this. Uh, you know, it's it's a spoof style comedy movie, but with a gross out punk rock irreverence that I mean, there's just yeah, there's nothing that's really quite like this that it has double creature effects and these kind of things so if you like things like maybe you know it's classier than the trauma movies right it's not like a you know trashy super offensive but it's, it's like it's like mainstream offensive right it's like the kind of offensive you can let your 12 year old see and like it kind of pushes the limits in a way that i think is yeah I, I almost think of it as a kid's movie probably because i liked it so much as a kid right and it's not that racy right it's not that bad it's not that um you know, it's for, it's for that audience, right? It's for tweens. So I think that if I had a kid who's like 12, I'd be cool with them seeing it because I think a lot of the, um, there's an attitude about it, kind of a fuck you to the man in a lot of ways that um, I think is really cool, done in a really, in a, in a fun in a fun way. Um, so much about it is so iconoclastic. I don't know if maybe that's the right use here, but, you know, it's, um, it's so against the norm and I think that's what I love so much about it. It really shouldn't even exist. This $12 million movie shouldn't have been made. Um, you couldn't get a movie made like this for $12 million now. You'd, you'd be lucky to get a million or $2 million to make a movie like this. And that would be m- a massive budget. Now, luckily you, it'd go further because you know uh, makeup's cheaper and you're using digital, but still $12 million, never in a million years would this movie get made. Um, so it's, it's this beautiful, Little diamond in the rough that we're lucky to have.
0: I I think that's a great way to look at it, uh, and it's a really interesting thing to think about just in context because um, Freaked was made for twelve million. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was nineteen ninety four. We're talking this movie shouldn't exist. This movie shouldn't exist. Shouldn't have been made. N- not not even for that budget, especially not today. Right. Yeah. Okay. 1967 68 2001 a space odyssey that's the same budget wow and that's fucking wild to think about because you couldn't do that today for the same price tag no and that was a huge budget back then Mm -hmm. and this was with the agreement
1: of every major corporation nasa delta airlines all these people were working with them and the studio was letting this guy for like three years shoot this movie i mean it's insane but look what we got oh my god that's like my, one of my favorite movies
0: of all time exactly
1: oh man dude they did the uh imax remaster that nolan supervised and they put it in theaters a few years back before the 4k came out um michelle had never seen the movie and me and her went and saw it in imax uh and yeah. i it in the theaters, obviously oh my god being in the theaters was obviously like a, a completely brand new experience it was unbelievable and uh man she really liked the movie and i think yeah. if would watch it at home maybe she wouldn't have been into it but she's able to immerse in it and like she's somebody who can't watch old movies and like the, the the fucking effects stood up pretty goddamn well because paintings and models. Um, movie's unbelievable. That movie, very little is dated in that movie that was shot between like like 67 and 69 or whatever. And Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's an incredible achievement in film really changed the language of movies in a, in a way that I think regular people don't fully understand
0: and that's that's kind of why it was wild like hearing like thinking about that figure of like these two Twelve movies million yeah yeah we're made for basically the same amount of money just 30 some odd years apart basically yeah. yeah that's that's wild yeah yeah just where we like where things were where things are you know give me 12 million dollars we'll see what i'll do yeah I'll be, no
1: shit i don't know that it'll be quite as good as uh Freaked, and it definitely won't be as good as Two Thoughts, One Space Odyssey.
0: I mean, how could it be? <laughs> Nothing. No, 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 no.
1: That's not going to happen. You can't.
0: <laughs> I think that brings most of my closing thoughts here to a head. Watch watch Freaked if you can find it. Uh, it is a little bit difficult to track down. It I think nowadays, track down.
1: I think you could find it for free
0: on YouTube now. Um, really?
1: Just people posting it up on YouTube. I'm pretty sure uh, you can find it okay. there.
0: Closing thoughts on the movie. I gave my closing thoughts. Watch Freaked. It's hard. It's a little bit difficult to find, but you can find it on YouTube for Freezies. Uh, can't speak to the quality of the Freezy one. But yeah, uh, you could probably track down a DVD. Actually, you might be able to buy a DVD still pretty, yeah. pretty easily. Yeah, you could find them pretty easily, but not very
1: cheaply. Right. That's probably the thing. over a hundred bucks for a DVD. You know, I bought a Spanish Blu-ray recently that wasn't very expensive. I think it was like $25. Uh, oh. Video,
0: video quality is pretty good no, English, not, bad. So yeah, not bad at all. That's what I did. Well, find it, watch it, worth it. Have some fun with it. You know, it's it's definitely it's definitely a fun, a fun movie. That closes up my thoughts here. Uh, unless you got anything else to say on on Freaked? No,
1: no. I think we've uh, I think we've said enough. And now the audience can decide for themselves.
0: That's fair. That moves us on to our <laughs> next segment. As you know, uh, the big questions. Big questions. As you are a repeat, uh, repeat guest, you have to have different big questions because you've already got the first round. Of questions. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, shit! Unprepared. Unprepared. First big question for your your second round here. What movie have you watched the most, and why?
1: You know it's difficult. But um, when I was young, I'd find myself watching a lot of
0: comedies a lot, um,
1: Freak being one of them, actually. And prior to that, the movie I watched the most was the 1989 Batman, the VHS. Mm. I'd watch every single day before. I had an afternoon kindergarten class, started at noon. Every day before that, I would watch... Uh, batman that, like was for, that was for I've that's for a couple of years uh batman 89 is one of them because as a kid i was such a huge batman fan and then freaked is one definitely cable guy is another movie i've seen probably these are movies that i've seen probably a hundred times um yeah. like you know literally over a hundred times i've seen um some of these comedies basketball dumb and dumber not movies i necessarily watch now but movies that i watched a lot as as a kid um and that's why, as a kid, uh, especially comedies, I would love to throw them on and just rewatch them and quote them and things like that. Office Space is one. Um, there's a bunch. So mostly comedies, especially when I was young, um, and then Batman '89.
0: Yep, yeah. comedies definitely get a, a lot of rewatch. I think that's fair. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't, yeah, say anything about those anyway.
1: Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club um, is another one I've seen like over a hundred times. So yeah, favorite movies. That's I think that's one of the the greatest movies of all time. I will go as far. I will. I'll defend that statement. I think it's one of the greatest movies ever made.
0: I I can't say that I would disagree with you honestly, only because uh, Breakfast Club was an integral part of growing up. Not just because I thought it was a good movie myself, but it was a movie that was like huge for both of my parents and they would not ever stop putting it on like my dad loved that fucking nice. movie, and awesome. uh it was just always kind of it was always kind of on in yeah. some way or shape or form that and the big chill which is one Ooh, of my, my just... mom and dad's favorite films very cool uh they were really into the uh yeah the brat pack they called them i think oh, okay yeah. The, yeah all those kids basically mm-hmm. next question what movie or movies would you say describe your life so far? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. maybe a joke answer or try to do a
1: serious answer. Um, yeah, that's, that's tough. I don't know. You can take that question a lot of different ways. So don't overthink it, but you know, some of these, this answer might be messed up uh, the way my head's already going, but like, You know, I've always the one of the first characters I ever really identified with was Lewin Davis, you know, not in every way, obviously, you know, he's a dick and things like that I don't feel like it's not like I'm projecting my I feel like I'm a jerk like him or anything like that. But the idea that he never wanted to compromise. He just wanted to make his art, he didn't care about being famous, he didn't care about these things. I mean, he's bitter that he didn't make it. But it was even when he gets opportunities it's like okay but if it means not being myself then i don't know fuck it and even if it means getting his ass kicked in the alley every single night that's just the way he's <laughs> gonna be um and that's just like a metaphor for like just life beating you up right so like not that i've had a tough life because i absolutely have not um it's been a very average life uh, as far as like you know hardships go um but i that the him like him and his attitude always kind of spoke to me. So, Lewin Davis, and then in weird ways, darker ways, um, the ambition of characters like Nicole Kidman in To Die For, or um, oh sure, or a uh, uh, Jake Hall in Nightcrawler. Not the actions that they're willing to go to, but their manic drive. Um, I, I see myself in. So, but then the. Um, so I guess it's like. Man, if I was crazy, I would be them. But I'm lazy, so I'm Lou Davis. Um, so I think, in a lot of ways, those are the
0: sort sure, of for
1: fucked up way those are the movies that I would say, yeah. Uh, okay. Like my life for whatever reason.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I, I like the choices generally speaking, and I can I can see I can see why you'd pick them. What shows or movies or both have had the greatest impact on you, or your work slash style?
1: Okay, Freaked is definitely one that in, a, in the primordial way the most. And then um, Evil Dead 2, as well as uh, Romero's trilogy, Breakfast Club. So, you know, some of these movies I'm, I'm saying are definitely people sitting around talking kind of movies. Uh, Romero mm-hmm. has great dialogue scenes with multiple characters. Breakfast Club is an all dialogue movie. Um, and then these kind of darker comedies, especially. So Dr. Strangelove. Return, well, Return of Living Dead I watched later, but I think that d- definitely is a big influence too, um, so horror comedies, but, you know, the horror, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to be a horror guy, I'm a dark comedy person, right, like, no matter what, at the end of the day, I'm writing some kind of satire, or uh, commentary, mm-hmm. or just humor in some kind of macabre way or whatever, so it's always things like that, and then, ooh, early on too, Tim Burton, like, before I even Knew I wanted to be a filmmaker. I knew who Tim Burton was as a kid. Like when I was seven, we went and saw the new Tim Burton movie, *Mars Attacks*. Right? Like I oh, knew yeah. things were. So I was a. I liked Pee Wee. I like um, *Pee Wee's Big Adventure*. I like *Beetlejuice*. I like *Batman*. I like *Edward Scissorhands*. I mean, these were movies as a kid. Now I, I got out of him later, but I think again that darkness. If that was stuff I was into at like three, four, five, six, seven, eight years old. He absolutely was like a, a massive influence. I think I might've mentioned this in the last one
0: as well. I think you like, did, but like, uh, yeah. it doesn't still, that's, that's good because this is a different contextual answer. So that- you know. Sure, yeah. But yeah, so uh, a lot of that stuff, there's some of these uh,
1: bizarre things hit early, but then those um, those really human things, those John Hughes movies um, and that kind of stuff was something that I think, so it's like that mix of the bizarre and ludicrous and absurd, whether it's yeah. in comedy or visually or horror- but then also um, character, you know, real big human, very human guy like Romero
0: or um, John Hughes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Okay. So this is sort of the same question, but like extension. So that was like, What shows and movies have the greatest impact on you or your work slash style, right? So now the same question, more or less, but more for your life. What movies or shows have had the greatest impact on your life just generally, not just your work? Man,
1: I don't know. That's kind of like how I took the other question, right? Like, I don't know off the top of my head that I could truly... Because you know, I'm not saying that movies don't impact our lives because they absolutely do. I think they do in much larger ways than anybody gives them credit for, right? Down to the little things like the words and the quotes and things we say every day come from movies is the smallest way, but in much larger ways, yes, characters and stories that we've seen impact the decisions we make in our lives and, and, and things we do. But um, I guess in that way then, I, I guess in that way, the movie in the that impacted my life the most or the movies that impacted my life the most would be um, Clerks and um, From Dust Till Dawn because Clerks was the first movie that told me you could just set up a camera on a tripod and write some funny dialogue and people might watch this movie and it might be enough right it, it, you just do it in a way that maybe hadn't been done before or do it with characters maybe people hadn't seen before or maybe say things that people hadn't put on in a movie before and it, it, it might work if you're good enough and then From Till Dawn, then then I'm like, I want to write movies. I could do that. I can write funny things. I already knew that I could write funny stuff as a kid, right? Um, And then, or I thought I could. And then from Dust Till Dawn, I watched that movie, which uh, my brother gave me the pleasure of letting me watch that movie without knowing it was a vampire movie. So, like, that movie was, like, mind-blowing. And then we watched uh, Full Tilt Boogie, which is a full-length documentary on the DVD. We watched all the -the behind-the-scenes stuff. We watched commentary, like, all in the same day, like, an eight-hour crash course in fun right so that I watched that and I'm like oh that's what I want to do like I want to make a movie I want to do what those guys did on that movie and the funny thing is that documentary they had to clash with unions they had to fight with all this kind of stuff so it wasn't even like a clean shoot and it still made me that's all I ever wanted to do like that was it I was like that's what a set's like that's what a movie is that looks like the greatest thing in the world so I guess I from Dusk Till Dawn right yeah Clerks from Dusk Till Dawn they completely set me on the course and, and made me realize what I wanted to do with my life. So I guess that's, I guess that's I'll tell Hell yeah.
0: Yeah. See, different contextual answers. Same question. It makes sense. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, okay, great. Then that brings us to our final big question for, for our second round. Name just any, any movie that you think an aspiring filmmaker, writer, creator, etc. should watch just in general. Um, uh,
1: there, there are several, so it, I think it would then depend on your tastes, but I would look at the first films of directors who self-financed or, uh, worked from very minuscule budgets. So we could be talking about say pie from Aronofsky or following from Nolan or bad taste from, uh, Peter Jackson or the evil dead from Sam Raimi or blood simple from, from the Coens or, Coens, um, yeah. Yeah, or even even smaller movies like The Battery is a $6,000 movie, uh, zombie movie that came out a few years back that's very good. Yeah, Um, yeah, you're right. Far beyond its budget. So uh, anything that there's a story of scrapping together, anything – oh, and of course um, El Mariachi, El Mariachi, Robert Rodriguez, and then you could accompany that with his book Rebel Without a Crew because if you watch that movie and read his book – you'll know that you can go out and make a movie. So, Mm -hmm. um, anything like that. So if you're a filmmaker, you know, and you, you're not going to want to make these movies necessarily, you know, I know as boys, we think that everybody wants to be a genre filmmaker, but not every person wants to make genre films. You know, anybody can get into films and want to tell any kind of story they want, but these movies, because the thing is if you can make a genre movie, a drama costs $0. So if you learn how to do everything that needs to be done to make a genre movie, you can go make any other kind of move that you want. So I think that those are the movies you start off with, see how they, people did it on weekends with no money. And then you'll know, oh, that's all it takes. Because honestly, we, we, we could all do it. Um, and that, yep. so those,
0: those are the ones. Awesome. Yeah, good, good, very good suggestions. I, I endorse those picks. Um, that's uh well that does it for our second round of big questions though a lot of a lot of great information here just in general i feel um about you for our get to know you section so it's always fun to get to know everybody and uh the next, wait just wait till the next round of questions they're gonna be even worse holy shit (laughs) (laughs) so every time you come on the questions are gonna get tougher all right Uh, right. and and maybe more maybe more uh more it's the word i want erotic well i guess they could get more <laughs> erotic if we really wanted to them to uh i was gonna say <laughs> uh, deeper deeper questions i don't know mm. um, oh sure no i'm down with that too In- intellectually yeah 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 some uh some some deeper intellectual questions or uh philosophical questions related to you and your experience of movies mm. oh yes i enjoy it. yeah i'm down with that yeah all right uh, well, with that, that, uh, that brings us right to the end here. The last little bit is just any, uh, any last thoughts about anything at all? Tags, pluggables, anything you want to drop here?
1: Uh, not necessarily later in the year. Uh, I should have a video game out called Pepperoni Nightmares an FMV, um, video game should be pretty crazy, um, absurdist, uh, surrealist horror situation. So look out for that. Um, excited, excited thanks yeah otherwise not working on anything particular right now i got a couple things i'm writing but nothing um i would say that is uh, on the pike other than pepperoni nightmares
0: fair enough well uh, all right then you can find mr patrick pena at lucha style on uh most most places i feel like
1: pretty much on everything yeah pretty yeah, much I'm on everything lucha yeah style,
0: yep. mm-hmm. uh so check him out there you can that's where you can find patrick patrick thank you for stopping by as thank always you. i uh mm-hmm. I always enjoy talking to you and uh, talking movies. I'm excited, uh, excited to talk about your next one, which it sounds like uh, we decided was Cable Guy. And Yeah, uh, let's do it. That sounds really fun to me. We're going to dig into that, get uh, get into the next next harder level of deep questions as well, the big questions for the pod. And uh, yeah, that'll be fun. Um, thank you, sir. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a great time. All right, everybody, Uh, that was Freaked uh, on Scott's Movie Pod until I think of a better name, which, yeah, probably not going to do. Probably not going to (laughs) do. Thanks for dropping by and listening. I'll catch you next time. All right. Thank you very much for stopping by and listening to Scott's Movie Pod until I think of a better name, which I may never do. Special thanks to my guests for coming on the show and all of you for listening. Original Podcast Music by Weston Lee Ball. You can find them at Lava underscore Submersible on Instagram and Weston Lee Ball on Facebook. And if you like the podcast, do me a favor and just rate and review. Let me know what you think, leave a comment, and uh, maybe I'll read it during the show. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next time.